Before we start this week's episode, just a little note to let you know that this episode was one of a few that we recorded during COVID lockdown via Skype. As a result, the audio quality hmm, isn't our best, but we hope that the discussion is still interesting and engaging enough to make it worth your while. Enjoy! This week we are looking at The Haunting of Patty Clare by Simone St. James. Thank you, you're always in charge of that. I never remember who writes things. And this week, spoiler-free summary is going to be offered by Amy because she has begged to be allowed. But if she is too spoilery, we're going to sack her. Off you go. It is the early 1920s and our main character is needing a job and she gets offered a temporary position as a secretary for a man called Alastair who she thinks is writing a book and he is. But it transpires that he needs an assistant to go on a mission which is essentially to rid a community or a house of a ghost. So Alastair is a ghost hunter and he's legitimate. Character who writes the whole novel in first person goes with him but then and his assistant, who he thought was on leave, comes back. And as a trio, the three of them investigate the reasons why the ghost of Maddie Claire isn't able to let go. And what develops is a very much a mystery story and also a romance between our protagonist and the Alistair's assistant, Matthew. Is that spoiler free? <laughs> I tried really yeah. hard. That was very good. Well done. Thanks. I have one very important point about your summary. Okay. Elaborate. First of all, we are set in, so it's post-World War One England. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that it's post-war and all the boys have been to war actually is kind of central and comes up as a theme all the way through. It's really nice, the fact that everyone's kind of grieving. I will point out my the contention for me with us reviewing this on this podcast, which is that the part where there was a romance was mentioned briefly at the very end of your synopsis. And I I accept that we can assume there was a romance because we've prefaced it by saying it was a romance novel. But I don't think this is a romance novel. I think this is a ghost story or mystery that happens to have a romantic subplot. Okay. Yes, I think that's fair, but the reason that this came to mind was I was looking for romances set in the 1920s and I did a Google and this one popped up classified as a romance novel on Goodreads. But yes, reading through it, the romance isn't principal to the plot, but the romance is part of the healing that the characters, particularly the male characters in the narrative, because remember the main, the ghost hunter guy has, there's a romance for him as well? Yeah. Yeah. So no point in it. it it's never a romance between Sarah, the main character, and Alistair. It's a romance no, between no. Sarah oh, and Matt. It is for assistant. about three seconds. At the three time. seconds and then they just move on. Just more that Alistair is charming and handsome and rich and looked at her and looked her in the eye when he spoke to her and she swooned because everyone does. But those two men who are quite traumatised by their wartime experiences, and that's part of the reason why they are hunting ghosts, sort of heal and mend as characters through their relationships in this narrative. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But the main, I think, if we segue from what the spoiler-free recap is that I haven't been sacked from... No, you did great. You did great. Thanks, Kimberly. To would we recommend this and why... 
I think that this book is something I'd very, very much recommend it, but it is actually quite scary. It is scary. So if you are someone who gets easily scared or if you like if you um read or live alone this is a daytime book to read not a at home in bed at night in the darkness book to read because the ghost sequences are very well done and they are quite chilling and then you have these moments with the relationship between the characters that sort of, in a way, bring you out of the ghosts into normal human behaviour. But it is quite a scary book. I'd recommend it. It was very gripping. I really enjoyed it. But it was, I think the first time I read it, I did actually read it at night in bed. (laughs) But I didn't turn the light off. Oh, no. Yeah. And then then there was a point where I was like, I'm just going to stop now. And then the next day I read it at breakfast and finished the book. I was like, I'm going to have ghost dreams. I agree. I would hardcore recommend it. I'm surprised that you recommended the book to me because you obviously read it first, found it, read it first. Because, yeah, because of that, because it's kind of not your cup of tea, which just speaks to the – it speaks to the quality, I think, of the writing and of the character development that yes. you were able to that you were able to kind of read it and still enjoy it and still find it gripping it kind of hits that balance really nicely i was quite able to read this book in bed before going to sleep mostly because mothers of 2 year olds don't often have the luxury of reading at the breakfast table and so instead, i don't have a 2 year old <laughs> so instead i did have to read it before bedtime but that was fine but i'm much more into yeah you ghost you're stories being- scarier things than me but the thing is though that this was a the reason that I did go through with it was that the book promised that there would be romance and I think if it had just been a ghost story I don't think I would have read it because it blurbed itself to me as a ghost story that has a romance running through it and because it does have a positive resolution as well and I think that more than anything, that's really the promise promise of the romance novel, isn't it? You mm. can't, you know, even though you always get to the end of them and he's been shot and, and she's been kidnapped and will they arrive in time? <laughs> you know, that's the sort of ending of so many romance novels. You always know that they're going to overcome because a romance novel does not leave you with and everybody died, unless it's atonement. But I sort of wouldn't, I wouldn't say that is a romance in that case. I would say... You're telling me a romantic story. It's a drama. Sadly, it's a drama. That's exactly yeah. right. It's a wartime drama. And so you don't peg it as a romance novel and then expect to be disappointed at the end. And perhaps that's the safety of it being couched in kind of that genre, is knowing that you're going to get, no matter how scary it is, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I was like, I know it. I, I felt safe in the fact that there were the promises of the genre. Yes. In that sense. I think similarly, though, the other thing for me that made it less scary, I suppose, was the thing that normally is a complete turn-off for me for romance novels. In Pretty much for all novels, I don't enjoy first-person perspective at all mm. because I find that I don't – it requires me to like the character who is narrating the book too closely. I have to really, really like them in order to be able to kind of swallow a first-person narrative. I much prefer that kind of omnipotent third person. But because this was first-person 
and she was so she was so kind of stiff upper lip that kind of British make doing men's keep calm and carry on been through a war exactly survived yes exactly and because she had that kind of attitude and obviously she had had tragedy earlier in her life and that kind of thing there was a a strength to her and a practicality to her that meant even when she was properly properly terrified at no point did she become an incoherent babbling mess because she had to tell the story yes conversely she wasn't so strong and so and this is an issue that i have sometimes with things in the 20s set in that sort yeah, of sure. really strong female character period is that sort of it almost becomes an arrogance in first person Absolutely. it becomes terse and it becomes arrogant and you're like no matter the cool things the character might be doing you're a bit put off by the way that the character goes with it and in this her first person she is afraid yeah absolutely she does have doubts she is imminently relatable but she isn't weak well she can't fall all the way apart your author as a writer you couldn't allow her to fall apart completely because she can't tell a narrative like you can't convey a story if you are incoherent and i think I think also that's the benefit of it was first person past tense. Yeah, oh God, yes. So Remember that horrible excursion we had into, what was oh. that terrible series? Oh, first person pre- present tense, I can't remember, it was the worst. No, it was awful, they made a movie out of it. It was marketed as Twilight fan fiction and it wasn't. Help us out here, why is it, it's probably a, a meant to be mental blank. Three movies, Shades of Grey. I cannot believe we couldn't remember Fifty Shades of Grey. Actually, do you know what? Thanks, Brain. Thanks for erasing that. Thank you for blocking that out. But that that was first person, present tense, and therefore the full depth of character development was, I feel this. Yeah. Great. Your your narrator, the person in charge of storytelling, had no perspective. Can't reflect. No. So anyway, yes, I think that helped as well with this book. Because she was reflecting, she was wondering, she was afraid, but she would sit there and reflect and then go, no, I think I can can do this. And the other element was the ghost who was, uh, so the character of this ghost is a young woman who had been a servant at the house. She's now haunting and she, the ghost kills herself That's and then comes back as a ghost, but she hates men. Mm. So one of the reasons why Sarah, the protagonist, gets so deeply involved and isn't just, like, taking notes and writing things down is because the ghost talks to her. But Will doesn't. only communicate with her, yeah. Yeah, and then the ghost sort of haunts her in a way the most, like, turns up in her bedroom and things like that because she is this female character, but because of the way that she's written – and by she, I mean Sarah, she's reflecting on and trying to find a connection with the character of the ghost. So if Maddie Claire doesn't become just this terrifying creature, she becomes someone with pathos to an extent. Yeah, she's not, she's not a poltergeist. No. It's important. It's not, she's not a poltergeist. She is, she's a real person and there are real reasons why she's haunting and it goes into that kind of way of thinking of things. And we, Um, as readers, want to find out what happened to her. And see, this is the thing for me. And don't get me wrong, I straight up would recommend this book. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I absolutely loved it. And I read it so quickly. Like, I just devoured it. But 
for me, I wanted to know more, like as in, not as in I was left wanting, but my, the reason I kept reading was because I wanted to know more about Maddie Claire's story and yeah. I wanted to know what would happen with Maddie Claire and whether they would solve it and blah, blah, blah. I was less, like I cared a lot less about how they were going to sort out the romance. I was like, well, oh, okay. Down. And it, then this it is seemed why... very sorted from the beginning. Like that, it seemed almost inevitable. It was already – it seemed like – so you know when it, you have that barrier to just saying, hey, I like you, hey, I like you too, let's go for it. One of the big barriers in this was we're in the middle of a haunting. So you kind of were like, well, surely once they've sorted out the whole being in mortal danger with the Maddie Claire situation, because she's obviously a violent, aggressive ghost, Mm. once you've sorted that out, well, then you guys can get together and everything would be fine. That's where the element of the World War One trauma comes into play. Yes. And you've got these characters. But, yeah, I see what you mean. So we're sort of saying that we'd really recommend it, but don't necessarily view it as a romance. The romantic elements tone provide a, a sort of balance to the scary paranormal element. Yeah. But it's what will drive you through the story as a reader is the mystery about what happened to Maddie Claire. Yes, yeah, that's how I feel about it. But I really enjoyed it and would definitely read it again. I thought it was great. And really well, just really well done, just really well written and well managed. And, again, like a couple of the books we've read lately and really liked, didn't overstay its welcome. No, it didn't. Really tight. It was a tight storyline. By the point that I, who am a bit of an idiot when it comes to working out um, mysteries, had started to clock onto, hang on, hang on, I think I've worked it out, that then the characters were acting on having worked it out. So I didn't have to sit there for pages going, oh, for God's sake, it's clearly X, Y, Z. Yes. While exactly. characters figured it out, they were there yeah. ahead of me, which is good. I always sort of view myself in a way as like the average mystery writer. I, <laughs> having having seen too many of these films and read too many of those books, I had it pegged in the first. As soon as they were like, she doesn't like men, I was like, well, this is the whole narrative now. But yes, I agree with you. But it wouldn't have, but see, that's, see, I'm the other end of the spectrum then. I figured it out very early on. And still thoroughly enjoyed the journey of them working it out. Like I still so do it doesn't it. matter because so what so the genre blending essentially absolutely so, it was well done. It was really good genre blending. I think probably heavy handed, but if all like heavy handed in terms of it was more a ghost story for me than a romance novel. But I get what you're saying about the whole you know that whole experience also being healing and blah 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 part of me this is probably contentious and it doesn't ruin the story for me in any way shape or form it's such an intense situation I am far more used to and I guess I am far more trusting of romances where we met we fell in love or started to fall in love or were already in love and then something extreme and unusual and intense happened that made us either realize uh, or give voice to our love whereas right. we met under these circumstances so the cynic in me goes i wonder if 10 years on they're both like this probably wasn't love it was just you were there and i needed someone and you helped me out of my horrible wartime depression and all of the PTSD yeah. I was carrying and you were a light in my dark time and so at the end of it I have almost that like the last scene in Speed the movie with Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves where she's like 
I hear that relationships established under moments of high tension and stress don't last long. And I'm always, that was in the back of my mind from the romance perspective all the way through this book. Yeah, I, was like, I wonder if this book lasts. Well, I choose to believe it will. Look, and then uh, the novel look, me ends. Too. Me There's too. no epilogue. You just go, yeah. great. They're together. The together's yeah. happened. That's enough. The book ends. Also, it's the 1920s. I felt like once she went back and, like, you know, whether they had a happy marriage or not, it's not super relevant. No, and there is no sequel. Therefore, we don't need to find out. That was the only blending for me that didn't 100% that I had to go, don't think about that. You'll wreck the novel if you think too much about that. And I was having such a good time, I was happy to go, don't worry about it and forget about it. But, yeah, that was one of my thoughts. The Haunting of Maddie Claire is definitely, I'd pick up the book, sit down and read the whole book. Pretty much. I read it in two sittings, yeah. I read it in two sittings and I have a small child. That's how much I enjoyed it. (laughs) And how concise it is. That's the two things I think that are kind of that that attests to. So we have got this in the, not quite sure if it's a romance novel, but it is a treasure box, correct? Yes, lovely. Yes, I would definitely go back and read it again. Yeah. And don't we love a standalone? Oh, my God. I love a standalone. We just wanted to all of you romance novel writers out there, congratulations on standalone novels. We do yep. love a series, but there aren't enough standalones out there. Let me just see you put everything you've got into one novel. Just give me one really good one. All right, we're just going to write this list of rules. Do's yeah. and don'ts according to Kim and Amy. Yeah, that's a great idea. Great. Yeah, how to make something treasure, not trash. Well, that, that, thank you very much for listening, and we will be with you again next episode to recommend your next read. We will indeed. Looking forward to it. Who knows what we'll talk about. Thank Bye. you and goodbye. And just a quick reminder here at the end of the podcast that we would love to hear from you. We want your recommendations. The good, the bad, the interesting, doesn't matter. Please reach out. Send us an email at trashortreasurepodcast at outlook.com. Or we are also available at the world's most awkward Twitter handle, which Amy has to tell you about. Listen to our Twitter handle. It's the greatest. It's at or underscore treasure. Doesn't that just roll off the tongue? (laughs) And with those encouraging words, tweet or email us. We love to hear from you. Happy reading. Cheers.